0: Hi, uh, this is Joey Brandon. Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a friend, David Sobelman. David is the CEO of Generation Income Properties. So, David, welcome. Thanks for having me today.
1: Well, no, Joey, thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> well, we've been talking about getting together for a while, and uh, today on the podcast, we talk about a lot of different topics, different weeks. But today, we want to talk about values and center of the conversation really around culture and how values are... Kind of foundational to that culture, and you've expressed to me before that you feel like values are one of the really big things that you were able to, to accomplish in putting in place. But before we get there, um, just give everybody a little bit of background, some context for who you are, and I, I've told them you're the CEO of Generation Income Properties, but what is that? And what is it that you do every day?
1: So I'm the CEO of Generation Income Properties. Uh, we are a real estate investment company that focuses on purchasing uh, single-tenant commercial assets around the country that are occupied by really large companies. And, our, For example, our smallest tenant is a $1.5 billion market cap company. So
0: you're, you're the CEO. Mm-hmm. And so like, what does a day in the life of the CEO look like? And you know, you're running a company, obviously.
1: Uh, that's it. Loaded question. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, there is no typical day. Great, um, and you know that's sometimes challenging for me uh, because I've been in this exact same industry for 18 years in different capacities. Started as an analyst, which is uh, the low-level junior person who's just learning the business and sitting in front of Excel for hours <laughs> and weeks and months and yeah. <laughs> no one talks to them and, and so on um, and then I became a broker um, and it's a you know very traditional brokers position position and and then I started investing um, and so I was always really kind of property focused. I was always, um, just real estate focus, looking at numbers, looking at you know, different intangibles about um, a property. And I really built my career um, having this uh, almost expertise in one very niche property type. Um, the difference between being a CEO and a real estate practitioner is now there's other people who do the real estate portion of things and I'm lending a hand, and I'm in, involved in our investment committee. Um, but ultimately, um, there's a, a team atmosphere here that uh, kind of takes me away from what was once my traditional day-to-day of focusing on real estate. Um, now we focus on regulatory issues and legal issues. and. Um, Underwriting, of course, uh, but there's so much more to a day than just looking at real estate. Well, you mentioned team,
0: right? And so it is. It's not up to you to, to <laughs> drive a deal across the finish line, or it's up to you to build the team that can do all of those things. So when you talk about building a team, uh, we, and we talk about culture. We can't, you, you can't talk about a team without talking about the culture. And every team has a culture. You know, some are great, some mm-hmm. are not so great. We've all experienced probably both ends of that spectrum. Uh, so when you're building the team for, for GIP and in this role that you have now as the CEO, What role do values play? Axiom people who listen to this podcast or clients of ours like they probably get sick and tired of us banging this drum of values, (laughs) values, values, values. But to this day, when a new client comes to us, and we we highlight like your your culture isn't great, right? We know that you want it to be. We know your heart's in the right place. And one of the first things that we ask them to do is work with us to put in place some values. And so. Tell people like what are the values at GIP and how have those helped you build this team?
1: Well, I, let me st- start with something else before okay. I answer that. Okay. Um, I learned about values, company core values, from you. Biased <laughs> <laughs> We pick our podcast <laughs> guys right. carefully, right? and and the reason I'm emphasizing that is I always kind of lived my life. Uh, To have values, personal values. Um, I always wanted to be a good person and to embed that into the company in some capacity. But what you taught me was that's not enough. You can't just be the example. You have to clearly outline what those words are to have people reflect on those uh, within the company. And so ultimately... Uh, we have um, three core values. Um, they're relational, uh, ethical, and generational. However, we do sneak one in there um, <laughs> that we use internally. I knew three was too good <laughs> to be true. <laughs> um, but it's, it's primarily three, but we sneak one in there of it intelligent. Yeah. And, and that's something that we use internally.
0: So it's interesting. It's often the case, I'll just kind of use you guys as an example. It's often the case that we come up with three, like you go through the process and you hammer it out and you do all the refining and the arm twisting and like, okay, like here are the three values. And then over time you find that, well, it just, this happened to us, by the way, care, truth, diligence. Those were our three values. And then we just kept always invoking learning. You know, like, are you reading every day and are you learning to ask better questions? That was kind of the, the, the heart of what we kept pushing each other to do. And it sounds like intelligence was the same same kind of process for you guys.
1: Exactly right. You know, we we pride ourselves on being good learners and good readers. Um, we, we study the information um, and we try to make good decisions based on that information. Mm-hmm. And so it was important for us to... Uh, really look at that core value as something that we impose on ourselves internally.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that some sometimes our values, um, well, I think all of our values are aspirational in the sense that like this is what we always want to be known for. But there are some that are like kind of self-evident on their face. And I think what our team's experience in working with your team early on was, holy cow, there's a lot of smart people. <laughs> <laughs> or at least we'll give you that impression, right? <laughs> right? So, not surprising. Right? <laughs> Intelligence was one of those kind of self-evident things. It's like not only do we want to perpetuate this, in some sense we're kind of acknowledging what we have already created either either because we're just intentional about it or it's just important to all of us. So, very good. So that's intelligent. Uh, tell us about the other values.
1: They are relational, ethical, and generational. So to define those in, in a small capacity, um, we wanna be extremely relational, internally and externally. So we never want people to look at us from the outside and say, those people are total jerks. You know, <laughs> we're never going to work with them. And we never want people internally to say that person that I work with directly every single day of my life is a total jerk. And so we make a very conscious effort to be relational with one another and with any communication that we have outside of the organization, whether it be email email. Marketing, investor relations, phone communications, now Teams and Zoom, anything we do from a relational perspective, any communication we have, we're constantly focusing on that relational aspect, making sure people see who we are as people and and subsequently as a company. Um, Ethical really speaks for itself. Just do the right thing when no one's looking. Um, and, and, but we're a public company, so everyone's, everyone's looking, looking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but it helps us make decisions. Um, you know, if there's a, a challenge for us and some, somewhere in our day, um, what's the most ethical decision there is? What's the most transparent decision there is? Uh, what's the right thing to do all the time? Um, we constantly say it internally to our board, um, to investors. we're, we're going to try as hard as we can to do the right thing with the information that we have. And then generational. Um, We think very long term um, for the next generation and the subsequent generations. um, I say that I'm investing um, for my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Uh, My children are now 14 and 11. uh, So we have a very long outlook. And and we hope that translates into good decisions, um, good long term investing decisions. So
0: when you've when you were in the process of putting these values together, what did that look like? What was the process like? And I mean, we were involved in that, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm 48. You're a little bit older than I am. I can't remember what I did last week in your settlement. So uh, right. I'm legitimately asking, what did the process look like uh, when we were talking about values with you? What was your recollection of
1: that? And, and kind of what were the brass tacks? What did we actually do to put those values in place? We put it out to the team. Uh, we asked the team what was important to them. And then we refined it. And we had all these buzzwords, you know, like, you know, there was probably a list of 30 or 40 different words. And we finally brought, rung it in, mm-hmm. um, with the three words that we've outlined that we really found were the most important to us that, um, not only set the culture of the company, because sometimes it seems a little contrived. You're like, we are going to, establish a very specific culture of the company, and therefore you will adhere to this culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want that. We wanted to get the consensus of our team to see what was truly important to us overall, important to our shareholders, important to the long-term outlook of the company, um, and just us as humans. And we refined it down to those three words. So it's interesting. Like if, uh, And it's funny, if we were talking
0: today you uh, your brand new client, you said, hey, uh, I want to get the team together, and I want us to kind of brainstorm the values uh, that might apply to our company, I'd say, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe my thinking's changed, but one of the reasons I bring it up is because, um, this is one of those areas, it's kind of like vision, mm-hmm. when you're saying, okay, well, like what's the vision for the company? What are we trying to accomplish? Where, where's the end game? Mm-hmm. And that's not the discussion today, but it's, it's almost identical in terms of some of the pitfalls. If you, sometimes if you put the values out, there's a couple things that happen uh, that can happen. Number one, we could wind up with like 16 values okay. right? because you know we've got eight people on the team that are weighing in on this in our leadership team, and we want to make sure everybody's got two, right? So they all feel part of the group. We right? <laughs> right. wind right. up with 16 right. values. Nobody knows what they are. Nobody can remember them. We got to define them, mm-hmm. probably, which we haven't really gotten into. But um, the other thing is that they tend to maybe be a little bit dilutive. So we wind up with like a lot of cliches. Mm-hmm. We wind up with definitions that really aren't specific to what we want to accomplish. And I did, did you feel any of that, um, either one of those, of like, man, what was it like to go from 20 or 30 down to three? I mean, how, how hard did you have to fight to get down to three, or, or was it fairly easy? Because three is excellent, by the way. I'm yeah. sorry I didn't want to interrupt you. But like three, if we could get people to, to settle on three, I think that is the <laughs> magic number. Four, I mean, usually like it's like pulling teeth to get them to, to right. do
1: four. So um, but yeah, how would you get it down to three? I think that was driven by me primarily. We, you know, I don't want a lot in our in our lives. We want to focus on the important things of our company. So we tend to be somewhat frugal um, spenders. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of think minimalistically, um, and I just didn't want a lot of noise, so to speak, um, and especially kind of clouded by a lot of words. Mm-hmm. So, um, so. Th- Three was one of my big motivations. Uh, yeah, we had to you know, debate a little bit, discuss uh, some. Um, you know, I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm looking over here at Emily now. I feel like I had to <laughs> um, kind of guide the conversation some, yeah. like, like my job is to do that. Uh, but um, ultimately, we wanted a very simple mantra in which to operate. And, and that's how we got down to three.
0: Well, I I do remember uh, some pretty vigorous debate. Yeah. Um, you got a lot of really smart people on your team. Yeah, we do. And they feel strongly about Mm -hmm. what they feel about. Like Mm -hmm. nobody just phones it in. So Mm -hmm. I do remember um, part of those conversations was like, words mean something, right? Like, if we're going to put this in here, it needs to mean something. That statement was made. Yeah.
1: Words matter. Yeah. Right.
0: And that's that's really... I I love the minimalist, simplistic, even the number of values that you have Mm -hmm. is kind of reflective of your culture. Mm -hmm. And we can look at some of our other clients that might have eight different divisions within the company, almost like eight small companies inside one big company. And Mm -hmm. it's tough. Like, Mm -hmm. it's tough to get anything to look simple because Mm -hmm. it's not a simple organization Mm -hmm. and um, have you found that those three values uh, leave anything wanting in terms of addressing situations or would you would you say they're sufficient and they cover it all
1: I would say they're perfect from where we sit Um, we're we're constantly referencing our values when we have discussions Um, and since they are, so I wouldn't say broad, uh, but they do encompass many portions of our company, each word, Mm -hmm. um, we're able to reference them constantly and having that, that rock, that, that standardization of how we should be thinking, uh, just really makes it really easy for us. Yeah. It's funny how, yeah, I think early
0: on, when we're going through this process with clients, they um, they tend to want to grab, they're thinking of different situations that they've run into, and we'll kind of get into the uses and <laughs> values a little bit more deeply here in a second, but they're thinking about these situations where we've said, hey, values would really help you if you had those in place here, and they're trying to come up with a value that will speak to that particular situation and that particular situation and that particular, and I think once you firmly commit to a small number of values that you can define and then use, like you said, we're talking about them constantly, you find that uh, those values, if you, if you looked at it in terms of the symptoms that values are being brought to bear upon, we can say, well, we need a lot of values because there's a lot of symptoms. But if we say, well, what is causing those symptoms? And we go back up the, the chain and say, well, if we, if we start looking farther and farther up, what would cause somebody not to be relational, mm-hmm. you know, what would cause them not to be generational, short-term mindset, you know, hey, we've got to think longer term here. This this decision has implications mm-hmm. beyond today or next week or next month. This is something that, you know, if it's adding a person to our team, like we don't add people to teams, you know, for months and weeks at mm-hmm. a time. We had them for years and years mm-hmm. at a time. So we got to think, let's slow down. And, you know, other people might have a value of um, being intentional, you know, or being deliberate, you know, and it kind of speaks to the same thing, but we, we, I find that I spend a lot of time trying to assure business owners that whatever three values you pick, because you've been so intentional about picking them, they will apply to a lot of different situations. It's hard, mm-hmm. hard for you to imagine a
1: situation that your values wouldn't apply to. Mm-hmm. Would you agree that that's, that's what you found to be the case? I think that's why we picked them. Um, you know we, we talk about relational a lot because we're communicative mm-hmm. um we communicate internally we communicate externally and in our all of our communications are uh, at least external communications are very public um, and we never ever um, want to convey that we are challenging people challenging uh, to work with challenging to communicate with like we said mm-hmm and and it's not easy i should tell you that like like there's many times where i'll read an email and i can feel my blood pressure going up and like that's not the answer that i was looking for or this is not how this is supposed to play out and and then i can look at my relational value and say is it going to help anyone right now to lash out especially in writing yeah like (laughs) no never um is it going to help anyone if I lash out verbally to anyone? Usually never, you know. Um, even though I am very much imperfect and that does happen sometimes, there's usually an apology that comes after that. Um, I've done that several times to team members internally. Like, I didn't handle myself well. I'm really sorry. Um, you know, I, I got worked up. Um, so part of us being relational is, is identifying those misses Mm -hmm. and making sure that, you know, we convey those properly to the right person at the right time.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that what you're talking about, specifically with regard to GIPs value of relational is not, uh, we want to be nice to people, Mm -hmm. right? That's different. You know, for sure. Relational means uh, I might think enough of you to share something that's really, really hard to share or to push back in a way that I know might lead to some conflict. But if we're going to have this relationship, then that's, that's what we have to do. Otherwise, we're not being true to our own values. Uh,
1: you nailed it. Um, you know, I, I I joke a lot because I tend to be very um, I won't say very I'll say somewhat introverted, and so like when I do communicate with people, it is deliberate, using a word that you have used, um, and and thoughtful typically, and and so the communications and the relationships that I have are paramount to our entire existence. And, and sometimes as an introvert, um, you're really thoughtful about those. And sometimes like you forget to (laughs) (laughs) communicate because it's all in your head, you know, of what you have and haven't said, um, yet. So, um, I would say that, um, you know, being nice is definitely, who we are as people, but that's not what the value truly no. means. Yeah. Um, maybe it comes across that way or maybe we're diffusing a, uh, an instance, um, by being relational. It's maybe not how we ultimately feel, yeah. but we're never going to give you fodder in which to say, well, you were, you, know, you handled yourself poorly. Right. right. When we talk about values,
0: we talk about culture, um, Obviously, you know, in the, the ways that you've talked about GIP's values impacting the work that you guys do every day, that's going outside the four walls. Mm-hmm. But talk for a second about the effect of values inside, inside the team first mm-hmm. and, and allowing people uh, to experience something here that then allows them to go out and, and impact people who are outside the organization.
1: Uh, so we'll start um, in opposite order and we'll start with generational. Okay. So that's most people don't have that mindset where you're thinking decades out. Um, you know, you can be thinking 50 years, 100 years, and I'm speaking mainly to our investment thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, can we own an asset for decades and still be happy owning that asset? And that's something that most people don't think about, especially as a public company, you're thinking about the next quarter so Mm. three months from now as opposed to 10 20 50 years from now and so having um giving um the staff here the liberty to think like that kind of frees them up you know to say like okay maybe we're not going to perform um in three months on this but in a year or so or five years from now we're going to do really well Mm -hmm. and and them knowing our investment thesis and our core value, coupling those together gives them the liberty to make decisions that they don't have to come to me for each time. Interesting, yeah. And it it really um, differentiates us um, from an internal communications perspective uh, because Uh, like you said, we hire smart people and there's a lot of them here (laughs) and way smarter than me in most cases. (laughs) And uh, we want to use their intelligence. Um, We want them to feel free to speak up and to make a decision and to voice their opinion. And so having that long-term generational outlook and to convey their thoughts on why a specific asset or a specific decision is based on this generational value is really important to us.
0: Yeah, it's funny when—well, uh, funny, but it's interesting that values uh, are one of those things that uh, you know. You as the leader, you're, you're saying, uh, "I played a role in establishing these." Like we, we all, we got all the ideas on the table, and then I was instrumental in guiding the conversation and pruning and pruning and refining and picking the final words. And, and now you're saying, okay, like, these are the values that, that I want everyone here, including myself, to be held accountable to. So talk for a second about you're the CEO now in, in corporate governance terms, especially being a publicly traded company. You have a board of directors, and, you know, you've, you've got shareholder issues that you have to be cognizant of, and ultimately there's a chain of command. But in terms of what happens here on a day-in, day-out basis, that's your purview. And you've said, uh, these values apply to me as well. So what, is it, what does it look like for a team member to challenge the CEO on uh, on the values and, and decisions you're making or the directions you're going that they might go, well, I'm not sure that this is
1: generational. I'm not sure that this is relational. I, I love it. I love it when someone speaks up. Um, I, I'm going to get this wrong, but the gist of this quote is is kind of the same. So Steve Jobs once said, you know, I hire smart people so they can tell me what to do, not so I can tell them what to do. Right. Yeah. And and so giving everyone the chance to be themselves is what I continually say. Just be yourself. You know, we've already done the vetting for having you here. So be yourself and, and make everyone's lives better, including yourself, including mine. Um, so I like... Uh, when someone relationally challenges me, um, and we have operations and procedures in place of how to communicate with each other, you know, during big decisions. Um, and, and so we have an investment committee each week, um, that looks at all the different assets that we're currently underwriting and it has to be unanimous. Mm. And so if I'm pro for a location and and someone on staff is con, it's a con, Mm. um, and they convey why and and we have to respect that and so that's um both intelligent and relational so we we use both of them and then we embed the the generational into into that because they don't feel like it's a generational asset um, they've intelligently made that decision and they've relationally conveyed that decision to everyone and so i'm a huge believer and when people push on me and I say that yeah. I was like, listen, I don't know everything. I know a lot, but I don't know everything. So yeah. it's important for you to really assert yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I will, uh, I might embarrass you a little bit, but <laughs> I'll, I'll say that, um, I've shared this with you before that you're one of the more humble, you know, CEOs that we've had the opportunity to work with. And I think that serves you well in and, and basically making yourself submit, you know, on the same level as everybody else to the same set of values. Like, it's not like the CEO's office gets to do one thing and I can think short term, but everybody else has to think generational. Or I can pop off and, and, you know, speak with candor without care and pretend like it's, you know, not violating the, v- the value of relationship or being relational. So uh, I think humility serves you well. I think it's more difficult for people who maybe don't have that, they don't come by humility as easily. I don't know if there's, I mean, we, this is totally off script. I going to this question. But, I mean, you, you are fairly humble. Like, where does that come from, and how does that, how is, it obviously shapes your management style. Um, I think it gives you a tremendous advantage when it comes to building a culture around a set of values, because mm-hmm. the people around you can, can know, hey, like, uh, this is very egalitarian. Everybody has to abide by the same set of behavioral norms here. So... I mean, have, is that something you've had to develop? Was there a time when it was there's prideful, egotistical Dave? And we've been, Man, that guy's a jerk. Like, I never want to be working for him. And if he was my CEO,
1: like, how did you come by that? Oh, I'm sure there's been egotistical Dave at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We it, should it, ask Emily. Yeah, Emily you? is nodding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's been there. Um, it is a, a very much a concerted effort um, of mine to make sure, not so much that, that we're all treated equally. It's more so just treated humanly is we, you know, we do have a hierarchy here. We do have titles, we do have positions, we have different levels of experience and experience. And, uh, did I just say experience twice? I did. Yeah,
0: That's really important. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Experience. And, um, and also, um, just, we've come from different backgrounds also. Uh, so we amalgamate all of that into our company. Um, I, I think it would just be silly for me to say like, you know, I'm the dictator and we're, we're just not gonna grow as a company by having one vision. Um, yes, I'm the visionary. I set the tone and, and you know, kind of go out there and lead the charge. I, I definitely understand my role. Um, but it's not done alone by any means. Um, it's, you know, and I give, um, everyone here the credit they deserve very publicly, um, take it away from myself to make sure that people know that this company is much more than one person. It's a, it's a big collective effort.
0: Well, that's an interesting, uh, kind of segue into like your, your role as a leader, as a CEO now compared to maybe some of the, the prior experiences you had professionally. Um, where now, like, it is on you to shine that spotlight on other people. Mm-hmm. That, and, and you may have done that in previous positions, but it wasn't your responsibility to make sure that that was happening mm-hmm. to the extent that it does today or that it's gonna be instrumental in your success. So I'm interested for you to kind of com- maybe compare and contrast a little bit your role now as the CEO, where it's really, you know, as we started working with you a year or two ago on establishing values, and, and you understood that that's my role. Like, this is one of those things that I can't delegate. This is not a piece of, of work that just has to be done. This is part of the role that's central to a CEO. And maybe I would say, I would make the argument that that's a new responsibility, whereas in prior situations, you may have been in, in a situation where you wanted to influence the culture, but it wasn't up to you to kind of cre- maybe create it and steward it to the extent that you're expected to as a CEO. So how is How is life as a CEO being kind of, I don't want to say solely responsible, but you're the culture standard bearer compared to maybe just somebody who was trying to be a great influence on a culture that somebody else was responsible for for stewarding?
1: You're, you're right. Um, uh, the reason I'm pausing is because I'm kind of reflecting back on different um, aspects of... You know, careers, interactions I've had with others throughout throughout my professional life, and you're right. Um, I've learned a lot from people who have the wrong intentions, and and I I think I feel like we're in a counseling session now. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, let it all out, there. right? <laughs> right. Um, and I feel like as hard as those events were to work through, and to see and to kind of cringe um, at, at someone who's maybe trying to be more of a figurehead than an actual leader Hmm. um, taught me a tremendous amount. uh, Because that doesn't work. My experience has been that doesn't work
0: firsthand experience,
1: firsthand experience. And, and you know, being the CEO now is truly just a, an opportunity to mentor um, people in a much more positive, accretive manner as opposed to, I'm the boss, quote-unquote. Um, that does nothing for anyone. It really doesn't. It's, it's really shallow. Um, it's, it's not productive. Um, there's no... Uh, Well, this is being redundant. I was about to say there's no depth. (laughs) Uh, But um, it doesn't provide a circumstance for anyone um, to just be a figurehead. You know, like, what do I do? Lend my name to the company? That doesn't do anything for anyone. Um, Like, no one knows my name anyway, right? (laughs) But ultimately... um, you know, driving our core values and making sure that people understand that uh, we have a a collection of people here who adhere to these values. And we just so happen to do this real estate. Um, I think that's something that most people would want to work with, Mm -hmm. both internal and external. Um, We recently hired um, a new CFO for our company. And we talked about our core values during the The dating process, you know, the, the interview process and, and, and one of the questions that was asked of me, (coughs) excuse me, of asked with me was, um, what's your work life balance? And I paused, I, I guess I should have been prepared for that question, but I wasn't. And I said, I really don't believe in that. I think it's just life there's, there's no work life balance. Like we,
0: you flip a switch in the morning. Yeah. This is my
1: work switch. And so, you know, part of our, one of our values of being relational is if someone's kids are sick or they're sick or they have things to do or they're, you know, something has to happen that's outside of work that Mm is quote unquote life. Mm -hmm. um, Then we pick up the slack. You know, we, you know that's just life, yeah. and and that's part of being relational. Um, and so that was a comment that was made to me, like that was striking mm-hmm. to her to to answer that way.
0: It is uh, it's it's countercultural. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I think it's been more or less countercultural at different periods. I think now. Uh, what we're experiencing is a, a big pushback on the demands that work is typically extracted you mm-hmm. know, from the people who are in somebody else's company. But I like I like the ways. That I don't believe in that. I don't believe it has to be the same. It's interesting when we talk um, talk to other business owners and we're talking about hiring key members of the team, right? And so like well, we're getting ready to hire a new CFO, we're going to hire a new general manager. And and um, I always one of the things that that I have always found very helpful is, uh, you know, like you said, dating, like almost literally double dating. Josie <laughs> and I, will, my wife and I, will take whoever the hire is going to be and their spouse out to dinner, and because I've always felt like you're marrying the spouse too. You know, of like course, Carrie, yeah. who's who's been with me the longest at this point um, you know, we were, was talking to, we did a mission moment. I'm going to talk, ask about mission moments here in a minute. Uh-huh. We did a mission moment this morning and I was sharing with our team. I said, I was doing something this weekend. I was worried. I couldn't even remember what I was doing, which was really frustrating. Cause I was like, this is the mission moment for next week. And then my 48 year old brain can't hold it there for 48 hours. So, but, um, but I, I remember looking at this thing and I was like, this is exactly the way it's supposed to be. I was looking at a file or a record in our CRM software or something. And I was like, everything was exactly where I expected it to be. And it was earlier than I would have expected it to be that way. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like she was like three steps ahead of where we would normally be. And I was like, this is Carrie. Like this is diligence, diligence. One of our guys yeah, right. like, this is diligence through and through. Right. And, when uh, when we did our first retreat a few years ago, we invited all the families together, and I got to meet Carrie's husband, Jimmy. And Jimmy is a fellow business owner. He's, he and his partner own an engineering firm. And, um, and they do all this crazy technical stuff that I don't understand. And, but Carrie gets what it's like to own a business. Because she, she and her husband own a business. Like, she knows exactly what Josie and I are experiencing. And we know what her and Jimmy are experiencing. And so that I have n- no doubt that a lot of what I get the benefit of when Carrie brings all of her skills and abilities is a consequence of who she's married to. Right. Mm-hmm. And Cameron, who we both know, like mm-hmm. Ch- we make the joke all the time. We really wanted Chailey, We just had to hire Cameron to, <laughs> to know her. <laughs> right. That's right. So, um, but yeah, that, that idea of, uh, a company that's willing to, get to know not just you, but your spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, like we send out offer letters. I send out the offer letter to the the applicant and their spouse mm-hmm. so that everybody knows like, this is not a, I'm not just getting the one, like we want to be a family with everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that speaks to your idea of like, mm-hmm. it's not, I don't believe in work-life balance. We're just in a relationship together where we happen to spend a ridiculous amount of time together. That's exactly right, <laughs> yeah.
1: We, uh we were asked like how much time we provide off and what's the policy? Like what's it say in the handbook? And I, and I had to think about that. And I was like, is that, is that what we have to do? We have to like write down and we have to like track people's hours and and, like, you know, and and I guess you have to do that in, in some circumstances. And I was like, listen, we're relational, unlimited time off. If I don't want to track anyone's hours, if you are having a hard day, if you are sick, if you need a vacation, take a vacation. Like if you're just not getting your work done, everyone will know yeah. that you're not getting your work done. And, and then we have a different set of circumstances. And so unlimited time off, we're not tracking anything, goes to our relational value. And, and I'm looking at Emily to see if she likes it or not, but she's, <laughs> she's <laughs> nodding that she likes it. Yeah. Um, and she's a prime example. She has two young children; they couldn't go to school for two weeks. She had to work at home for two weeks, um, like a lot of people. Um, us, we tend to like going to the office. We, you know, we like being here. Uh, but if we didn't have that, like, mindset, no work-life balance. It's just life. Then she has said, "I couldn't work if we didn't have this." Yeah. And and Emily and I just like. You know your team we're on our eleventh year together wow you know? and so um, it just is life to yeah. us and it just goes back to our values
0: it's it's funny the um the vacation policy thing so when uh so I had a a business as a, a accounting tax and accounting firm, and we sold that and I kind of went back down to just me and then I heard carrie and then we added Devin and I think we were like maybe into like Devin's he might have been with me for like ten months or so. Mm-hmm. And Carrie was like, So how are we tracking like vacation time? And I was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> like I haven't even thought about it. And but you know, and Devin had taken time and she had taken right. time, but it was just one of those things where it was like, Take the time you need. Yeah. And I've had years, you know, we're we're rolling into this year. And I bought a big wall calendar and I put it on the back of my office door. And I said, "Okay, like I'm the only thing that's going to go on here are the times when I'm not going to be in the office." So just visually, I could see. And mm-hmm. this year, given last year was super busy and and lots of opportunity, but this year I'm like, let's try to get like seven or eight weeks on the calendar. You yeah. Know, like, and that and I need that this year, mm-hmm. right? But somebody else on our team may need that. It's like, go go get it because, sure. like you said. The idea that we're just gonna keep having you come in and <laughs> right. go through some motions, like everybody's gonna know, right? right. There's memes where people are like, they're not gonna know. They're gonna
1: know, everybody's gonna know. That's exactly right.
0: So let's talk about uh, some of the practical things that you use on a day in day out basis to bring values to the forefront. So we talked mm-hmm. about mission moments. Do you guys still do those? Very something? much so, Okay, yeah. so what's a, tell everybody what a mission moment is and how it works at
1: GOP. Um, it's when you very deliberately use our core values to identify someone who has used that value in some aspect of their work or life. Um, In our case, we do it every month um, for uh, when we do um, all hands meetings, which are every month. Um, And we get an opportunity to call each other out. In a good way yep. um, of how they have embodied one of the core values, and we give the example. So we use the word and then an example of how that is applied to them. Perfect. Mm-hmm.
0: So we've we've talked about this a lot. So I'm sure some people understand. But mission moments really are kind of like the table stakes for having values in the first place because you can put them on a wall, and you know a lot of a lot of our companies do that. And that's something, by the way, like they should be on the wall. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge. Hugely useful tool in getting people to internalize the values and understand what they are, but the mission moments are really—if uh, you can't find your values, I mean—and and you gotta look. You know, some some weeks you have to look hard. You know, some some mm-hmm. weeks you know, like any mission moments, and it's like crickets. And people are like sometimes they just get busy and they forget. But interesting uh, that mission moments are one of those things that we've said for a long time internally. Like if if companies would spend 20 minutes doing two things. Uh, once a week, then it would change the culture. Number one is highlighting mission moments at the start of whatever their mm-hmm. regular routine meeting is. Mm-hmm. Most of the companies are gonna do w- once a week with a leadership team, once a month. So every time you get together, first thing on the agenda is the mission moment. Like where have we seen our values come into play? And then the follow-up to that is in teams where we have the leadership team meeting, they're usually, you know, there might be another 20 to 200 people outside that room that they are working on behalf of, like the leadership team's gathered. And so the mission moments, most of the time, some of our teams have a rule against anybody in the room receiving a mission moment. It's like, you, that's what you guys get paid for. Not, you, know, don't, you can't give it to your, your colleague across the right. table. It's got to be somebody who's not in the room. And, uh, and then we encourage everybody who's around that table to then go out and acknowledge that person. Hey, track that person down and say, hey, I just heard about you in the leadership team meeting this morning. You're living out this value of relation, being relational. That's what we're all about, man. I, that's awesome. Thanks mm-hmm. so much, really appreciate it. And if companies would do that, you know, it takes very little time. They will see over the course of maybe eight to 20 weeks, mm-hmm. over the course of about six months, your culture will start to change. People will start to understand what you believe to be important. But we had uh, one of our, our businesses, uh, we were in a meeting probably six, nine months ago. We are going through the mission moment time and there 10 leaders in this room and they've each got one. Like they've, they're tasked with come up with one and share it with the group. And so they're kind of doing this round robin fashion. And the business owner of this 16 million dollar company is on his phone just furiously texting away. I can see what he's, it's a te- he's got the messages app open on his iPhone. He's texting away. And I'm thinking, man, this jack wagon right. is sitting here. <laughs> he's not engaged. His team is calling out their colleagues. And he gets, we get to like the fourth or fifth person. He stops and he says, hang on, you, get, you gave like three names there because the person was calling out a crew. It was an HVAC mm-hmm. company. And they had a crew that had worked all weekend to get something done. And he said, uh, you mentioned three names. I only got two of them. Who was the other person? And so he kind of notices that we're looking at him side-eyed, and he's like, "I'm just I'm doing this because I'll forget later." He's texting each one of those people, and because it's 200 people, he's not going to be able to go Mm -hmm. around, and most of them are out in the field. He doesn't know when he's going to see them. And uh, we talked to him afterwards, and he said, "You know what's interesting?" He he actually may have said this in the meeting. He said, "You know, we've given everybody in the company like checks for $300 to $3,000 when they've had a really good year." and when we do that maybe 5% of the people will come up and say thanks. I really appreciate that. Every single time I send one of these text messages, I get thanked not once, but easy, easily twice or three or four times by the same person for mm-hmm. the text message I sent. And that's just one of those things where it's, you know, it is about the money, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to I don't want to downplay. You got to mm-hmm. compensate your people well. You mm-hmm. should compensate, but it's not all about the money. If you're not doing those things, then they really don't know what's important to you, mm-hmm. right? So Mission moments, huge fan of mission moments. So glad you guys are still doing them. Well,
1: okay. yeah, of course we. Um, I, th- I think what the tone of the meeting when we start with our mission moments, and I'm going to speak for everyone, so I may be wrong on this. That's your prerogative. Right? Right? <laughs> Is okay. Here we here we go again. We have these uh, somewhat contrived periods of our meeting where we have to, you know, look for a way to apply our our values to someone and say it in a public forum, Mm -hmm. you know, because everyone's there and everyone hears it and says it. And someone breaks the ice and they start and, and then it just snowballs from there. Mm -hmm. And everyone starts to truly appreciate that they are appreciated. Mm -hmm. And, and so over the next 15, 20 minutes when we get through everyone, the tone of the meeting is so much more calm, is so much more meaningful, um, productive, mm-hmm. and and it's because we're able to recognize someone else for their work as opposed to, look what I've done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and And that is probably important for some of the listeners to know that It's hard to start the mission moment. It's hard to um, believe in the mission moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're forced to do it and when you commit to do it, it always works every time. That's great. Yeah. I'm super encouraged to hear you yeah. say that. That's,
0: <laughs> that's good. It's a good encouragement. I think people need to hear it not from me. They need to hear it from you mm-hmm. because you are one who has adopted the practice and you're saying this works like this is worth your time. It's worth that uncomfortable start to feel like it's contrived. Mm-hmm. And there may be, you know, it may feel contrived every week. And the you know the first 90 seconds may mm-hmm. always feel contrived, mm-hmm. but push through it. And then you'll see a difference. I want to talk about the other side of the coin, Um, in some sense, mission moments are kind of the baby steps to really making values a part of your culture. Um, the, the graduate level is having difficult conversations when people aren't living out your values. Mm -hmm. So talk about that a little bit. And I can't imagine that gets any easier, but I think there are some benefits to it. I'm interested to hear your take.
1: There's always going to be a challenge. Um, whether it's a personality challenge, a personnel challenge, um, a work product challenge, um, those are always gonna be there. Um, But before we start a conversation to address those challenges, whether I'm involved or not, um, we can always rest on our values. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't wanna give a, a specific, Specific instance, I don't think no, that's I don't appropriate. Want you, to call <laughs> out. you can call um, Emily out for but, her violations. <laughs> last, week. Yeah. but let's just say anecdotally, um, you know, someone's not performing, um, and their work product is is not performing at the level in which it's supposed to be performing, and we can go into that conversation very intelligently, um, very uh, it, just knowing what the work product should be um and then in a very relational way approach that person where we're not burning bridges we're not angry um you know things happen you know, and and we have had a tremendous amount of success especially essentially being a startup where there's fires every day on every topic um that we have to go into each conversation we have with each other, um, challenging each other, uh, but doing it, embodying our our core values. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't want anyone listening to this to feel like we have this wonderful, Mm -hmm. non-conflict enterprise at all. Um, We definitely have a, a lot of very stressful, um, very challenging to continue to use that word, instances of our company, and and I don't think we would handle them as well if we just reacted. Um, if we're able to sit back, take a deep breath, think of our values, um, you know, I constantly say to the team, we're going to do the right thing. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think you, you highlighted, you went in a little bit different direction than I was thinking. So you're saying that when, when you have issues with work product or um, you know, things just happening in the course of day in, day out business, your values give you kind of guardrails for how are we going to treat each other as we deal with this issue, right? Which I think is incredibly important. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you can't, if your values can't be in place when you're dealing with tough things, mm-hmm. like, then they probably don't mean as much. We have a lot of situations, too, where, well, I'll just say, when we start talking to clients and getting to know them, um, we oftentimes will say values are going to be the most worn tool in your toolbox, (laughs) right? right? I think you've heard me say that a few times. So uh, what we mean by that is when we go in, we'll do, at the outset, maybe four to six weeks of interviews. Mm-hmm. And we'll interview as many people as, as time will allow us to at different levels in the organization to try to understand what are the state of affairs, not just culturally, but operationally. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, we will be sitting with a leader and they'll be bemoaning different things, like challenges the organization has with people, personnel issues, and we we'll are like, that's a values issue, that's a values issue, that's a values issue, that's a values issue. If you only had values, we would have a way to go about addressing these things. And what we mean by that is that a lot of times, performance isn't just, it, it, it rarely, performance is rarely what the person's doing, it's how they're doing it. And you say, like, well, you're doing this, and yes, you're getting the numbers, or yes, you're getting the results, or yes, you're meeting the time frame, but the way that you're going about it is totally in conflict with our de- values. And it takes what used to be a very subjective conversation, which really kind of sounded like, well, you just don't like the way I'm doing it. You're saying that I'm not doing it the way you would do. And it makes it more objective, because you're saying there is this objective standard that is our value of Mm -hmm. X, Y, or Z. And I'm accountable to that standard, and you're accountable to that standard, and what we're seeing is that this isn't being done to that standard. And so it can be, for difficult conversations especially, it can give you this kind of firm foundation to stand on. And even non-confrontational, I mean, I would say, what's crazy is I would say of all of our business clients I can think of one of them that likes conflict <laughs> and confrontation, right? Mm-hmm. But 95% of them, uh, they don't, mm-hmm. right? They didn't get to where they're at by causing a lot of conflict, right? And uh, so, for them, having values in their in their hip pocket to say, this is a con- this is a conversation that I can have and be confident in how to have it because I've got these values. Um, it's not just about the mission moments; it's about
1: the difficult conversations too. for sure. We're all different people. Like we all, um, go about our days with the, with their own personality, what's important to them. Um, you know, if you've taken any different personality tests and you kind of see the results and Mm -hmm. then you compare them to someone else's who you've been sitting next to for 11 (laughs) years. Right. (laughs) And, and you're like, wow, we are totally opposite people. Right. (laughs) But We appreciate that about each other. We're aware of those things. And and to reiterate your point, working within the confines of our values, we're able to be extremely um, productive with not as many people. That's probably Hmm. the biggest portion of why we use our values is because we don't just hire someone to fulfill a certain obligation within the company. we're able to be more productive and communicate better with each other, even though everyone's different and goes mm-hmm. about um, the core values in, in a different way. Uh, but, but those, um, again, using your word the guardrails, um, allow us to be even more productive. That's a, I've no,
0: nobody's ever said that before. Uh, in the way that you just said it, which is our values are something that allow us to increase the productivity and do more with fewer people. But when you think about it, it makes a ton of sense. What you're talking about is a high-performing team that's able to outperform a larger team because they have some dysfunction that we don't have. Like we've got, we're higher functioning on on a cultural level. And if values drive culture, then values are the thing that can allow you to increase the productivity needle, which
1: is, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. something we think about constantly you know we we don't want a team of a thousand people yeah. um, for, for our company we don't need it first yeah. of all um, and we can do a lot with a, lo- a lot fewer people in our midst yeah. um, we love that because then we can um, kind of manage um, our team manage our core values manage our um, just outlook of, of how to grow the company Mm -hmm. uh, much better with less people.
0: Yeah. I think it also creates kind of an esprit de corps Mm -hmm. with a a smaller, closer knit group Mm -hmm. that is a lot of times going to be able to outperform a more heavily,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, staffed team. So, Mm -hmm. well, just to wrap up, what advice would you give a CEO who's out there listening to this and they say, Okay, you've sold me. Values are a good thing. Uh, we kind of have maybe some, some things floating around, uh, but they haven't really coalesced into something as solid as three core values that rise to this level. Where would you tell them to
1: start? Probably at home. You know, what's important to them at home? Hmm. Um, I've, I've used these core values not only at work, but, you know, I need to be relational with my wife and my children and friends um, and to make that concerted effort to be relational with them. I have to be thoughtful, so our intelligent value. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you know, our children to be uh, good global citizens and I want them to um, kind of be um, free thinkers and to make sure that they're making good decisions in life as well. Um, so I'm you know, kind of trying to be a good example for them at the same time and then of course like i said we're we're thinking about you know this long term generational aspect um you know i think most people want to bring their own kind of life values into their work mm-hmm. and and again separating the two just doesn't make sense to me
0: yeah
1: um i think if you truly want to work with people who have similar values as you um they have to embody life and not just work and or family it has to be and right
0: i love your advice uh as i think it it serves people well if you're going to do something difficult and creating a culture maybe where there isn't a great positive culture or where there's a good amount of work to do and most of it's going to rest on your shoulders like you should probably pick some values that you really believe in. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Starting right. at home, I think it's I think it's a genius piece of advice. Like yeah. you, uh, whether. You know my values are my values care truth diligence learning right mm-hmm. that's what axioms values are but like you said i'm, I'm thinking what, through what you just said i'm like that's the approach i take with my kids you know, we just had <laughs> right. a conversation about truth for us truth is you say hard things mm-hmm. you know it's not being nice it's about saying hard things but in a caring way so care is the first value love those we serve but you know i just had a conversation with my kids about like you if you don't want to do something with a friend don't make up an excuse. Don't make right. up a story. Like just right. be honest with them and tell them because later in life, people are going to take you more seriously. People are going to know that when you give your yes, it's a yes. When you give your no, it's a no. And there are good reasons behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love, I love the advice. I think it's brilliant. You know, start, it's not always start at home.
1: Easy. It's not always easy. Yeah. Um, uh, but people definitely know where you stand and, and they start appreciating it. Yeah. Um, And and that's something that's really important to me personally is, is kind of improving the lives of others. And you get that opportunity as a CEO to do that.
0: Well, I, uh, I I think I will express the gratitude of your team who's not here to say that, uh, that I think they enjoy working under leadership that has that kind of attitude. And that doesn't just uh, talk about it on a podcast, but actually does the work prior to, you know, to, to getting the invite, uh, to warrant, um, the invite. And I, I, we've seen you work with your team. We've seen your team work and, um, And it's a testament to your leadership. And I thank you for that. Thank you for being a great influence on me personally. And thanks for giving us a good chunk of your afternoon. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun.
1: I love it. Thanks, Joey. All
0: right. We'll be back next week. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next time.